are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I don't know if you would be able to catch it. There's many verses in Revelation 3, 1 through, church, 1 through 6, as God speaks to this church at Sardis. But um, I, I think you'll pull it all together in just a few moments with me, and you'll understand it. Some ground work, some foundational work for the message tonight. I want to take you back to 1939 <clears throat> to 1945. We all know that what that was. It was World War II. The estimates are between 70 and 85 million casualties. This nation was constantly having men arrive at the door and a mother would be watching or a wife would be watching. And they'd come and say, your husband or your father has died in action. They'd give the news, millions died. To think of the tragedy of World War II and all that took place. We were fighting on really a fourfold front. We were fighting fascism. A fascism with Mussolini basically said, uh, he used, though he hated religion, he used this thing of deny yourself. And fascism says you get nothing for you, you share it with everybody. You have to give it away to everyone. Uh, you, the government makes sure that you give it away. It's a twin to socialism and to communism. We were fighting fascism. What a day that must have been when Mussolini surrendered and signed and said, we lost, you won. In addition to fascism, we were fighting a very evil man, Adolf Hitler, who alone killed over six million Jews. I'm a twin. If you're a twin, he killed you. If you had any deformity, he killed you. They would ravage the women and then kill them. They gassed them. And I'm grateful for Germany, really my family's homeland, that they've kept the consecration, the consecration camps intact that you can go see this is actually what happened. Hitler was a man that believed in bloodshed. He believed in power. He believed in one man rule himself. The people had no rights. Mussolini with fascism, you have no access to what is yours. And we fought on both fronts. In addition to Nazism, and in addition to fascism, was socialism. I cannot believe we have people running for office and raising millions of dollars for socialism. It is anti-American. And yet so many of this world and our nation agree that it's a good program. Socialism just simply says that the ruling class, the ruling class it, it, it makes all decisions for everyone. So if it's the Republican Party or the Democrat Party 
or a, pre, a, a president or a king, we, we make all the decisions. And fascism and Nazism and socialism were the thrive or the push behind World War II. There was one more issue, and that was communism. Communism is simply this. Mr. Um, Karl Marx, who wrote the Communist Manifesto, said it is socialism is the stepchild to communism. He mentioned this, if communism is gonna succeed, the first thing Mr. Marx said, the first thing you must do, you must rewrite history. You young millennial preachers, you are trying to rewrite what God has used in the past. And you say, well, we're not going back to the 50s and 60s. No, we're not. We're going back to the first century. Amen. You boys think you found something new and church members don't get sucked in? Because we want, we, we, we want it our way. Judges 17, 6, and every man did that which is right in his own eyes. So we rewrite history. Well, you know, that wasn't, when those buses started, really, it really wasn't a good thing. Yes, it was. Amen. Well, this door-to-door -door soul winning, that really, that really is not really, it doesn't work. It wasn't good. Yeah, 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 yes, it was. That's God's word. And we're to be a witness to every creature. Well, you know, Sunday night service, where do you find that in the Bible? That's under attack. Wednesday night, where do you find that in the Bible? You don't. You find they met every day. Well, tithing, you don't, you don't, tithing's not, that's just, uh, that's under the law. Uh, Jesus said, Jesus said, these things you should have done. And he's referring back to tithing in that. I, I want you to know that there was a battle with fascism and socialism and Nazism and communist, and all of them share the same. It's a total, all four. Rejection of God and rejection and regulation on the New Testament local church. I'm coming to you tonight on the institution that God has raised up to reach a world for Christ, the New Testament church. Jesus gave his life for the church. In this new year and this new decade, never criticize the things of God. Stop it. Stop the criticism. Stop the slander. Stop the gossip. Stop the hurt. I'm talking about Christians you're watching worldwide. Stop it. Stop the internet stuff. Stop the tweeting of all the garbage that you're spewing out there and all the information you don't know. How about going soul winning? How about saying no to all the tweets and retweets and this and that and go knocking on doors and visiting people and visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction? How about helping people on the pathway of life and stop the nonsense of gathering together to attack the things of God? It's wearisome. It is wearisome. We have become a bunch of analysts in church we gripe about everything. We complain about things. We, we, we have opinions about everything. Say, don't you think I'd have an opinion? I think you ought to come to the house of God with an open heart and say, Lord, 
Will you please speak to my heart tonight? Not come to analyze and to be so judgmental and be critical of the things of God. The church is needed in this next decade. I, I don't put a lot of stock in these uh, polls, but they say that Protestantism, which we are not, and which would include, I guess they would think Baptist, but is at an all-time low, we're losing people in our ranks. Thank God this church is growing. But every community, every city, every area needs churches that are open and not churches that are closed. Why would we build a building like this to use it for one hour on Sunday morning? Tonight I'm coming to you about this institution called the church. You know, when these boys were in the battlefield, America issued to every one of them this right here. Every man that went to battle would take this New Testament with them. This one I've tried to, I think Brother Ronald gave me this, and I've tried to find, I have the, 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 the number of the soldier, and I have the name here, and I was presented to him in 1944 as he went to battle. Every man took the Bible. And ladies and gentlemen, I know people write things about World War II, but let me tell you something, when you're facing death all around you, it's not a party. I remember hearing a man with World War II, he said he was in a foxhole, and all that night, he said is that I was stuck between the enemy and ours, I was in the middle, and he said it was just bright. He said I was quoting the word of God, and I was talking to God, and begging God for life, and I was asking God to help me in the situation where I found myself. You're not around death and bloodshed and blood that's running without crying out to a holy God. And while these boys were in the, the trenches and fighting, and I'm not suggesting that all came to Christ. Some got angry, some got angry at God. But as they were fighting at home, ladies became Rosie the Riveter, and they went to the factories. And the car dealerships stopped selling cars and the manufacturers stopped building the cars. That's why you don't find a 46 and a 47 and a 48. You don't see those cars because our, our factories, Ford and Chevy and, and Dodge and Plymouth and, and Pontiac and Oldsmobile and, and all these, they changed them to build military arsenals and weapons and munitions for the boys that were in World War II. These ladies were trying to raise a family. But if you go back in history and look at what really was taking place in America on Sunday, they were at the house of God. Those mothers needed some help with those children. Those wives needed some help with their lives. And isn't it interesting? The pulpits were not filled by young men. The young men were in battle. The young men were in World War II. The old men that studied this nation, I love reading the messages of preachers in that era. I was reading one a few months ago, and he said that once again, 
Uh, we have been called upon this week to bury several of our boys as they have brought them home from the war. And they were talking about these things of how people were, were, were suffering and losing sons in the battle and husbands in the battle. And the houses of God were filled. I won't go through a message I preached last year sometime, early in the year, I'm sure. But they began to come home in 1940, 47, things began to pick up. And 48, architects began to draw in 47 and 48. And all over America, you can go in every city, a large city in America, and all over, you can find the houses built in 1949, 50, 52, 55, 56, 57, the World War II houses. And tracks, housing tracks began to be developed and stamped houses. And the cars began to roll again. I'm old enough to remember on Sunday, not one grocery store in the 50s was open. In the entire 50s, you didn't, you didn't go grocery shopping. By our house, we had the PX. It had nothing to do with the military, Brother Van Dyke, but the PX was not open. You could not go to that shopping center. The Shell gas station on the corner, the Flying A down the street, you could not go there on Sunday. The Mobile, you could not go there because they did not have gasoline open on Sunday. Sunday was the Lord's Day, a holy day and not a holiday. We, we are struggling with our sound system that's 15 years old. And it is on the vision night to just sort of band-aid it together with 16 new microphones and two more of these. So if that does it again, I'll go back to the other microphone and wait for $23,000 to come in so we can take care of that. You know, it was an amazing time to really be born right after the war and to watch what was happening. But I tell you the thing that happened in the late 40s and the 50s all the way up to the mid 60s was the explosion of the New Testament local church. I have the books in my office, the 10 fastest growing churches in America. Brother Tony, I think there were four of them in Ohio that were large churches, 5,000 and more. And that was without buses. And then all of a sudden, Jerry Falwell came on the scene in 56, and he got his church, and all of a sudden, you're having 10,000 and 20,000. First Baptist Church in Hamlin would have 30,000, and amazing things were taking place. The Amen Church down there, First Baptist Church of Van Nuys, the Amen Choir, 200 voices, was a, was a dynamic church. Just an amazing thing. Just Let's use this one, please. The churches that were uh, located in Texas and were going and growing and people were getting saved and invitations given and the shout and God's people loved it and buses were coming on. The buses in the 60s began to run. You could hardly buy a used school bus. The Nazarenes and the Assemblies of God's got in the thing and they had what they called the joy buses. And the joy buses would go all over the city and the Baptists had their buses went all over the city. I remember when I began to work in 1971 at the Berean Baptist Church, we had five fundamental churches in that city, five for a city of 100, 
130,000 people, and we all ran buses, and we ran, I think, 12 or 13, and Kishwaukee, which was my wife's grandfather's church, they, they ran about 12 buses, and Windsor ran buses, and North Love ran buses, and First Baptist ran buses, and buses were going out all over that city. You'd be passing one another. The bus ministry stopped. Christian schools were rising. Three a day were opening, 365 days a year. There was an excitement about the things of God. But the Christian schools have now closed. The bus ministry, you don't run into another church running buses. Sunday night has closed the doors in most places, most cities. Wednesday night's a thing of the past. Sunday school's been kicked out. We've been told that Sunday school doesn't work. But I want you to know my Bible is still in Hebrews chapter 10, and so much the more as you see the day approaching, we ought to do more, not less, for God. We have more time for pleasure, more time for play, more time for sports, more time for activity, more time for shopping, more time to be missing. I want to challenge God's people. When I came here, I put in our, in our uh, standard sheet, I called it for all workers, Try to miss only two Sundays a year. And guess what? Most did not miss two. We in the 70s, well, I think we had two or three families even owned a house. The companies did not close down for two and three weeks at Christmas. I was talking to a pastor of a leading large church, several thousand in another distant state last year about this time. He said last year at summer. And he said, Brother Treber, really, it used to be, if you could be gone only one Sunday a year or two Sundays, we'd buy into that. But now I have to buy into six, seven, eight. Church is not what it used to be. We're casual with it. We're careless with it. We can miss Sunday school, not, 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 say, well, I'm not learning that much in Sunday school. That's on you, that's not on the teacher. Well, my boy's in second grade, I know, I can't think of the teacher right now, we have several second grades, but I tell you, great teachers, every, every class is filled with great teachers, from the youngest to the eldest. Well, they're boring. Well, you try to speak every week. And let's watch how great it is. I'm not, maybe God sent you there to be a blessing. Stop analyzing. I'd like to have one year where no one sends me a tweet or a text or email and says, here's what you said wrong. Here's what you did wrong. Here's how you mispronounced this word. Why don't you pray? Why don't you say, God, he's, he's slaughtering the king's English, and, 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 and he, he said the wrong number. He's supposed to say 100,000. He said a million. Well, oh, let's have a church business meeting. Get over it. Why don't you walk with God and pray and beg God? And you start to hear me make mistakes, say, oh, dear God, his mind is not there today. Please, whatever is disturbing him, please help his mind. My Sunday school teacher, it seems like he's preaching and teaching in peanut butter. God, help him. I find in this church, under the angel of the church, there are seven churches in Sardis, write, These things saith he that hath seven spirits and seven stars. I know thy works. Thou hast a name. I recall many years ago, decades ago at this church, when I read that, 
And it bothered me so much. I don't want our church just to have a name. The great North Valley Baptist Church, the great North Valley Baptist Schools, the great Golden State Baptist, have a name that thou livest and are dead. And those that find fault with the church and find fault with the school and find fault with the college and it's not that great, it's because you're dead too. If you can be part of a church like this or part of the churches that are watching tonight, a part of a church that's going after souls and trying to see th something done and worldwide mission expanding, you say, well, you know, it's just not that big. I'm looking for a better church. Not a better church, a better you. Something needs to happen with you. How's your prayer life? How's your fasting? How's your reading the scripture? How's your meditating? How, how is your denial of self? How are you growing in grace? How is the, how's the bus route that needs a bus camp? We ran, we had three buses sat last Sunday because we need three more drivers. We had to say no to nearly 100 people last week. And I'm, I'm pastoring the greatest. You folks that are watching, you think, boy, good night. He's upset with his church. Ours is, I, I know people don't like it when I say this. This is the greatest church in America. And if I didn't think that, I'd get to the greatest church. I believe it's the greatest church in America. I don't want another church. I don't want to go to another place. I want to be right here. And he says, be watchful. Strengthen the things that remain are ready to die. Everything is always dying. That's why Sunday is so great. Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night. But then we start to die and Wednesday night's a good service. And then we start to die and then soul winning back on Sunday. And it's part of our life. Christ who is our life. You know what the problem with this church? This is the church that had no persecution. This was the church that had no opposition. This was the church that had no hardships. Must I be carried to the clouds on flowery beds of ease while others fight to win this prize and sail or bloody seas? No, I must fight if I should win. You know, those, those, those churches during World War II did not have a bunch of women sitting around the church while their boys were all husbands and sons were over fighting uh, that were slandering the church and slandering one another and tweeting and Facebook and all that in 1940, uh, 1939 through 45. And I know they didn't have, I know they didn't have Twitter. They came to God's house to pray for their sons and their husbands. They came to God's house to pray. They came to God's house to sing. They came to God's house to nurse their children and nurse their own souls. I tell you, our churches had a lot of women and our boys were overseas fighting fascism, fighting Nazism, fighting socialism, fighting communism. It's what made America so amazing. I brought with me today the, uh, the Mayflower, Compact, uh, Mayflower Compact 1620. In the name of God, amen. This is before they got off the ship. And whose names are underwritten in the loyal subjects of the sovereign King, Lord, King James, by the grace of God, and the defender of the king of our faith, having undertaken for the glory of God the advancement of the Christian faith. 
That's why they came on the Mayflower, for the advancement of the Christian faith. And socialism and communism and Nazism, fascism, doesn't allow you to do that. There is no God. And that's why our schools have become communist, public schools, and fascism, because they don't want God. They want to legislate every sin, but they don't want God. But I'm afraid we're doing the same thing in our churches. We want to, we, we, we want to feel good about church. We, 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 we want to do church a new way because we are living in the 2020s. The Declaration of Independence, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. That would not be accepted in fascism. Because there's a ruling class and you are not equal with the ruling class. We are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's what made America so amazing. We were the first place on planet Earth, Rhode Island, 1600, that said religious freedom. You have the right. Rhode Island was the first place where they said you have the right to believe and preach and practice what you want to as a person. No government shall make any law against you. The Declaration of Independence is contrary to socialism. Mr. Sanders and the rest of the clowns that are running trying to tear down the authority of this great country of ours. The Constitution of the United States, I love this. We the people. Mr. Marx did not believe in that. The people don't have rights. But let's not take these rights that are God-given rights and privileges and amass to ourselves and forget about the work of the, the work of the ministry, the New Testament local church. Jesus gave his life for the church. I see very little hardship today unless it's hardship we put on ourselves. I see very little persecution. Instead, I find pastors attacking pastors and church members attacking the things of God. And when there's no persecution from without, we always will begin to attack within. For after my departure, Paul says, shall grievous wolves come in among you, not sparing the flock. You read in the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 8, they were to go to the, all the world, but they stayed in Jerusalem. And God said, okay, I'm going to have to scatter you. And chapter 1 verse 8 turned into chapter 8 verse 1, and he scattered them through persecution. It's amazing how that prior to that chapter 8, they were, widows were complaining against one another. The, Gish, the, uh, uh, the Grecian and the Hebrew widows were uh, neglected in the daily ministration. They were upset. We're, we're not being taken care of. There was fighting from within because there was no persecution from without. I know in chapter 4 in Acts there was. And I know a preacher by the name of Paul eventually is going to be persecuted. But I wonder, dear preacher friend, you there are such great authorities that you can stand and criticize a 
man of God around the country that's standing for the sound and the faith. But when was the last time, preacher, you stood for anything of against the world, the flesh, the devil, compromising and weak doctrine? We have be become professional analysts. Maybe we need persecution. Maybe we need hardship. So instead of calling on Twitter, we'll call on God. The church, the church is so vitally important to your children. Sunday school teacher, don't, don't teach another doctrine. Pastors, let's not preach another doctrine. Let's stay true to this old King James Bible that God has preserved. This, this country, that they brought the Mayflower, brought the King James with them. They didn't bring the Revised Standard. They didn't bring the Bible for modern English. They bought an old-time Bible that worked. We have never had revival in America since the new Bibles have come. The Great Awakening, the first one, the second one, the third one. There was not all these Bible the club month. Turn with me, if you will, to close in, and I'm out of time. And I've not even got to where I want to go, but I think we'll have to close our time down. First Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter 11. I think you're going to have to decide on God's house. I think you're going to have to decide on the mission of God's house. I've thought of this statement for months now. I've held it, not said it. We have a house tonight filled with, to me, some of the greatest Christians I've ever been around. Great Christians, godly Christians, honored to be in your presence. But every church I know, and listen to these words, and I've researched these words, I think are filled with people that are bipolar, narcissist, big time narcissism, big time. Backslidden, slanderous, people that drain the work of God. By the grace of God, my wife and I are not going to do that with our lives. This undoubtedly for me, or potentially for me, could be the decade I meet our Lord. This could be the decade that my voice goes silent. I don't want to be a narcissist. Bipolar, slanderous, upset, cantankerous, backslidden. Tom Malone said this, and I know I've got you in 1 Corinthians, we'll get there. Tom Malone said this as he spoke and wrote, uh, uh, wrote on the New Testament local church. I showed, I showed Brother Sly that book the other day. I said, look at this. His son, Ben, was one years of age. 31 years ago, I think, he gave it to me. I can hear, going through that old book, Dr. Dr. Malone was about my age when he wrote it, a little bit younger. As he wrote that book, you can hear in his heart the frustration that he's having in that great church in Pontiac with people 
that are getting sideways with the New Testament local church. And he's pleading with them. He had to call down several teenagers for several weeks, and he was justifying, saying, I'm so sorry I had to call you down, but you're not listening, teenagers. He was trying to keep that church alive. A great church of 2,500 people. It's gone today as well as the great Lee Robertson's church of 10 and 12,000 people. It is totally empty in downtown Chattanooga tonight. The church is gone. And in Van Nuys, the great First Baptist Church, they sold it to a health club and tore it down. There's high rises there now. It's gone. And the great Baptist Church, Fort Worth, Texas, First Baptist, that was the largest church in America, and I stood there, it's gone. Big glass skyscrapers are in its place. And the great Temple Baptist Church, and I remember singing in that 6,000-seat auditorium, 200-voice choir. I can remember being there in 1970, and it's gone tonight. The lights are off. Church is corrupt. Churches get lazy. May this not be the decade we get lazy. And Malone said this, when a church is a dead church, signs of a dead church, and he wrote this, no hunger for souls, no hunger for God's word, no hunger for God's people and fellowship with them, no freedom of the Holy Spirit, no passion for prayer, no passion for stewardship. The apostle Paul is writing the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17. Now this that I declare unto you, I praise you not. Paul said, I want to praise you. I want to rejoice. I can't praise you. As you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. What was going on? Well, verse 18 tells us, for first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. Don't you ever, for the sake of your marriage, for the sake of your children, ever be part of division. I can speak from authority. I grew up in a home. I've been going to church for almost 70 years. Every Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I'm so grateful. My mother and dad, and we had, we had problems in our church. We had them. Every church did. In business meetings, we had them. Mother and dad never, never carried it on into the car. They never discussed it. We never had a problem, never criticized a preacher. Some preachers through the years failed us, never, never brought it up, never brought it up, never said anything. That's not our business. Why we, you know, once in a while we get some men that think they can, or their wives probably, think they can pastor a church. You know what I ought to do? I ought to rent you a building around here. You'll get some of our people because there's always somebody. And you see how easy it is. He said, you have something to grind? I sure do. We're seeing the church nationwide get weak. And it bothers me. Because the only hope for America is the New Testament local church. 
And the only hope for your home is the New Testament local church. And we try to sidestep the church and we think we can do better and we're so intelligent and we know so much. Uh, you, you need, I need, we all need the New Testament local church. Paul said, I heard their divisions. For there must also be heresies among you. When there's divisions, there's always heresy. When you come together, therefore, in one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before his own supper. And one is hungry, another is drunk. And he said, you're coming to the Lord's table drunk? What? What? Verse 22 is the verse I want us to see. Have you not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise, this is it, despise ye the church of God? Contempt for God's house? So people get up here and they practice, they prayed, they sang, and then we analyze. And we feel like we can tell them something and we've never asked you to sing? I wonder why. And we're not going to ask you to sing. So you're not a professional analyst. Leave them alone. Well, that sound wasn't right. Is there any sound men up there? Just shut it off, will you please? Just shut off the sound right here, or wherever it is. Hey, this works! Don't need a sound set. Quit! Tell them the sound and everything they do wrong. I'll tell them. For you. Too cold? Fine. There's 28 zones in this church. Find a zone that's warmer. Too cold? Or too hot? Find a... It's always amazing. We got people that freeze. I freeze most of the time in this auditorium. It's cold. Not tonight. but bring an extra coat. But it's an amazing thing. If I ever ask, I've got this man saying, oh, stifling in here, turn the air on. And I get the same crowd, uh, a, a different crowd, people say, oh, it's freezing in here. What are you gonna do? And they will lay out $300 to go to the Packers game and sit in 25 below zero. Praise God, man, this is good. Contempt, despise the church of God. Why is this so passionate with me tonight? I'll tell you why. Because in this decade, if the Lord tarries, some of you will be out of church. I've pastored long enough. I think about it every day. There are people, I, I've had a, a couple came to my mind so many times this week. I recall when they both got saved back in the 70s. And I recall that she grew, and he really didn't grow that much. And she was so bothered, so bothered, so bothered. I said, he'll grow. She was home. She was reading her Bible. She was all into it. He was working a job. And she goes, oh, he's not, he doesn't want to serve the Lord. I said, he will, he will, he will. And one day he came forward and said, I want to get in the bus ministry. Oh, she excited. Oh, praise the Lord. He's in the bus ministry. And then she didn't like it because it interrupted Sunday. And she forced him to quit. I don't know how many mates they've had since then. 
uh, all their kids would have to be adults now. I don't think any of them go to church. And the sad thing is that family affected another family that affected another family. And I could give you the names of all three families. And they're all out of church. They're all divorced. They're all fell apart. They're having trouble with their lives. They've had nothing but problems. The same thing is true. You go to work. Just work. Don't tell your boss how to do his job. I'm out of time, but I get to now my message of the hour. So let me just say these seven things. I'm done. What can I do in 2020? Pray daily for your church. Two, pray for your pastor and his wife daily. Three, be loyal. Four, serve in your church as being addicted to the work of God. Number five, tithe at your church. Number six, love your church. Cora, attack. Don't attack. It never works. Number seven, attend. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.